Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. My name is John Pronich, and I am your host. So let me set this up for you. This interview was uh, was a different one. There's a lot of energy in it, but it kind of came about in a weird way. So I was driving down to Southern California for the launch of our 343 Players Club. And on the way down, Ian Lane and I were listening to a podcast hosted by a professional soccer player that I was set to interview once I arrived at Gary's house. And that interview was scheduled for noon. And the launch of the Players Club was like 5.30. So I realized that I was going to have a bunch of downtime in between the interview and the launch of the Players Club. And I was like, how am I going to kill four hours? I'm not just going to sit at Gary's house. So a new idea hit me. And I was like, I should hit up Nick Rogers. So I sent Nick a text and asked if he'd be down for a Skype session. And he said he was finishing up lunch and he'd be back home soon. So later on in the afternoon, we actually did link up and we spent almost an hour talking about pickup soccer, street soccer, and Pana. And I was unfamiliar with what Pana actually meant. And Nick does a great job of explaining that and a bunch more in this episode. But Nick grew up in Orange County. It's not necessarily the place you would think about when the topic of street soccer comes up. But somehow, I don't know how, in the suburbs of Brea, Nick Rogers found a passion for street soccer, and he's been using that as a tool to teach the game ever since. Now, during this interview, you're going to hear Nick talk about how street soccer can help build confidence and add flavor to a player's game. He's going to talk about using street soccer as a tool within your existing program, And Nick's actually going to tell a bunch of hilarious stories, but one in particular, a hilarious story about a time a 10-year-old kid put him on skates in a Pana match. Nick now coaches youth soccer in the small northern California city of Runnert Park, and each week he hosts a free Friday night street soccer jam, and Nick is doing great work to bring the street soccer culture to his players. And outside of coaching, Nick also competes in official street soccer competitions and events around the world. And he recently got on the mic and co-hosted for a bit at the Pana House Invitationals in Denmark. And he gave a complete recap of his experiences in Europe with a write-up on Urban Pitch. Now, if you if you get a chance, please go on 343coaching.com and go to this episode. All the information and all the links are there. And just click on, on the link that says uh, Nick got on the mic and co-hosted. And if you watch that, it's, it's funny to watch. Nick uh, co-host. Not that it, not that it's funny. It's just you 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 can paint the real picture of Nick once you see him in, in action. I guess uh, Nick also sent me a bunch of solid examples of street soccer and some other ballers that he competes with around the world. And like I just said, all those videos and links, including the link to Nick's Instagram, uh, everything is available on three four three coaching you can tell I'm already laughing just doing this interview. I had a blast talking with Nick. He brought a ton of energy, a ton of passion for this topic. And I hope you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with Nico Suave 15, Mr. Nick Rogers. This episode of the 343 podcast is brought to you by 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three coaching, all spelled out, .com. And on 343coaching.com, you can find all of our articles, all of our podcast episodes. You can find links to our free and our premium coaching courses. And you can also find links to our live in-person experiences, including our Players Club. 
If you would like to find out more, please visit 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching.com. And with that, enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast. Oh, at the headquarters. Looking nice. <laughs> Motherfucking up, Nick Rogers. Hey, John Franny. How are you, my man? <laughs> Nico Suave. 15 in the mix. <laughs> What's up, man? Not much. Just finished lunch. Uh, everything's good up here. I got some street soccer sessions planned for later. Nice. And uh, yeah, everything's good. You're yeah. in uh, Fullerton for the yeah. weekend? I'm at, I'm at headquarters. I'm at Gary's house. Yeah, it looks nice. Looks <laughs> looks official. I know, huh? And our, like, our nice little background here, huh? All right. Perfect. I'm going to crop it out so that way only that shows. <laughs> so gary's running a, a street session later is that what i saw no not, or not, like a the players club yeah so not a not necessarily a street session it's more like pickup so like on the field at fullerton okay that's yeah. cool nice yeah which i think that's it's kind of interesting to bring to bring you on the show too because i know you run your your friday night program up in uh Runnert park yeah, we are. Yeah, tonight's the night. Um, I just got a Ponticourt, which is it came from Denmark. So it's a little 15 by 15 octagon for 1v1, 2v2. So yeah, the kids, the kids eat it up, man. It's it's awesome. Yeah. It's cool to see them. They everyone wants to get around the court and laugh at people when they get nutmegged. And yeah, it's it's part of the culture process, you know. So what is Pana? So pana, it's nutmeg. So in in Europe, that's uh, that's the most common term for for nutmeg. Um, it, obviously it's got different names depending on where you go, but, um, it started in the, in Holland is where Pana originally comes for, comes from. And, um, they've kind of turned it into a, a completely different sport where there's one V one competitions, three V three competitions, five V five competitions. But when you add Pana knockout, if you give someone a nutmeg and you get the ball back in most cases, the game's over. So it's, playing street you know with with almost no rules but the emphasis is on creativity flair and you know trying to get a nutmeg and, and ending the game real fast so so nutmeg is like how you score or is there still goals or so yeah there's goals so in the 1v1 arena the, it's just like a 15 by 15 there's two goals you're in a little octagon if i get the ball through your legs game over and you're out ko <laughs> so it's at the at the highest level it's it's tough because most of the players are very good at defense and they're not afraid to come in and like poke their legs out of you and you have to be able to create that space you know in a 15 by 15 you have to be able to get around to the side or create some space and open up your defender's legs so when you get little kids playing that and they start to to figure it out like oh man i gotta i gotta take my opponent to the left to go to the right you know what i mean getting them in that confined space really opens up a lot of doors for them in, in terms of you know how they think as a player and when they get to the big field it's it's like oh man this is easy i have more than 15 yard space i can do whatever i want with the ball so it's it's pana is it's definitely a way for people to speed up their development i would say and add creativity and it's something that for a long time people are thinking like, oh, you can't really teach creativity. You can't teach that. Well, you can. You just have to expose kids in the right way and let them fall. Let them kind of fall in love with it on their own. You can't just say, hey, do these tricks, do these tricks, do these tricks, and then expect them to, to be able to do everything. But if you teach them what Pana is and the culture behind it, why we're trying to do this, what's the point, then, yeah, I've seen like some of the kids I work with, their development on the field it's it's crazy they they take what they learn they're in a tight space where before they would just get rid of the ball and they're they're comfortable you know putting their foot on it 
bringing it back, all kinds of different moves. But when they're in that tight space, it's it's more comfortable for them and it's it's more natural. So yeah, we've we've really been able to. I mean, because I I have a, a couple teams. I work with the under 18s, under 16s. Um, I'm helping a, a couple of the U9s, and all of those kids that have played street soccer with me. It's it's ridiculous when you when you see them on the field. Like before, these guys were junkies. You know what I mean. And when they when they step on the when they step on the field after learning a couple street soccer moves, it's like a, a completely different player. You know what I mean. So to say that you can't teach creativity is, I think that's wrong. You know what I mean. I think it, it can be taught, but you just have to teach it in the right way. You can't just say, "Here's a step over, go do it on the field." You have to teach people like, okay, if your defender is coming at you, this is how I need to move the ball. This is where the space is. These are some moves that you can do, but giving them those those tools those building blocks and letting them figure it out on their own that's kind of how i think creativity is taught and so i'm really trying to see if you know we can we can get little messies and little little ronaldos and little neymars why can't we you know what i mean we have talented we have talented players here but kids aren't exposed to street soccer as much as in other cultures so that's kind of what this whole thing is about for me and and that's Kind of the reason why Gary's starting, or why three four three is starting the this players club, like the pickup game culture, because yeah, it's it's something that is extremely lacking, and we know that we have to kind of recreate that culture in order to kind of fit our American culture, which is why sure. you know it's like of course there's going to be one person there supervising, but minimal. Like you know we're not going to step in. Like the kids are going to set the rules and and you know call their own fouls and whatever you know but yeah we have to put like the 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 super yeah of course a little bit of framework a little bit of framework of course of course um there there was two things that popped in my head when when you were talking about that so when you're talking about creativity i also think and i want to get your opinion on this too it might not all just be creativity but also confidence like you you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned that you know when the player gets the ball with a in a tight space in Pana in the arena. And then all of a sudden you take that to the big field. One of the biggest things that you see in, in, in rec soccer, especially, but in, in kind of club and, and, and soccer in general in America is a lot of sure. players don't want the fucking ball, man. Like, and they want to like, get rid of it. Fast. Get, get it away. Get it away. Like <laughs> it's a panic attack. Exactly. It's hot potato. Yeah. You know, and there's part of it where, yeah, you want kids to be able to understand like when and where to get rid of the ball quickly. But there are certain situations where you're in the corner, there's nobody there. You have no other option, you know what I mean? And that those moments happen more than people think. And when you see kids in those tight spaces, you can really tell, does this kid have control? Does he, And like you said, does he have confidence? I think I think that is a really important part of it too because when you're able to keep the ball in a pond court and you're playing one-on-one and you're holding the ball for 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds, you're building up that confidence. Your defender, you put your defender on skates, you know what I mean? And getting that to transfer to the big game. <laughs> That's a badass pays, term. I like that. Yeah, you got to put them on <laughs> skates. You got to put them on skates. And it, it, it completely transfers to the big game, you know what I mean? And so when coaches say, oh, there's no point in street soccer, I don't understand, what are the benefits? Go to Europe, go to Spain, go to Denmark, go to Brazil, watch some street soccer, watch kids that are six, seven, eight, nine years old, and compare how they play with, with kids our age here in America, you know what I mean? Because here, when you're three, four, five, and six, Johnny's playing football and baseball and basketball. Over there, it's the culture is, hey, I'm going to go and play street soccer. I'm going to go and play pickup. This, this is just part of what they do. There's courts available. And, you know, for me, that's that's the biggest issue for us right now is we don't really have any specifically for street soccer courts. Like I just came back from Denmark and you walk two, three blocks. 
there's a court with a basketball court, uh, futsal goals, and every every two blocks, you know, skate parks, pond courts, and even these little octagons. I see them in schools. I see it just everywhere. You know what I mean? Because it's in, obviously the football culture is massive in Europe, but. We have so many parks that are underused, tennis courts that people don't play on, nets that are falling apart. If you just put two futsal goals there, I guarantee kids are going to come play. And so it's it's hard for me to grasp, you know, coming from uh, Copenhagen where there's fields everywhere. And then I come back to my city where we don't have one street soccer court in the whole county. And it's like you can go, yeah, they tell us, go play on the grass. Well, there's club practice on the grass, and the grass sucks. They say, oh, get off our basketball courts. Well, where else are we supposed to play? The tennis courts, they come and kick us off. So for me, a big part of it is getting street soccer to be main, not so much mainstream, but more popularly uh, adopted, you know, and, and to get cities behind it, to get clubs behind it, where they make that part of their curriculum, you know what I mean? Because yeah. for me, I, I think it's a, the most important part. And, you know, even at the 343 Summit last year, listening to, to Hugo, he opened up and his whole thing was on street soccer. And for me, that kind of, you know, kickstarted my passion because I've been doing this for, you know, I started playing maybe three years ago. Um, but I've been going out and competing and going out and doing workshops and just really trying to get as many kids playing street soccer as I can. And the kids that started with me three years ago, they're getting better than me now, you know what I mean? And that's kind of what I want. I want to be the guy that shows it to them, but I want these kids to get way better than me because when I was in Denmark, so we were with uh, the Pana House crew, and it's basically an organization. They are a nonprofit. They are government-funded. Their mission is they go to different schools, especially schools that have, like, gang-infested problems, drug problems, and they work with these kids at a young age and, and teach them about Pana, teach them about street soccer, and use that as say, hey, if you want to go play club, no problem. If you want to come play street with us, no problem. But either way, there's an option for them. And you see these kids, I swear, like eight, nine, and ten years old, they had better awareness, better, just better field sense than I did. And we're playing five v five with them, and I go up to defend these kids. Moves, moves, moves. Put me on skates. You know, a little kid putting me on skates, beating me like FIFA street status and just making me look silly. And for me, I was like, man, why aren't the kids in America like this? What what can we do to get our kids playing at this high level? Because I guarantee when those kids go and play club, they're, they're phenoms in their clubs. You know what I mean? Because it starts at the street. All the best players played street soccer. So for me, I'm kind of on this mission where I want to change the culture in the U.S. and get clubs really using that as a tool for development. And I'm just starting with one club here in, in uh, Santa Rosa, Runner Park. Um, but I see this going to all different clubs. And when, when people start seeing it as a common thing, People are going to say, oh, man, these guys are doing street soccer. We need to be doing this as part of our curriculum, too. So there's massive room for development. I mean, Hugo Perez kind of kickstarted my fire even more um, after after listening to him talk and listening to the importance of, of what street soccer can be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on this on this mission, man, and I'm not going to stop until everyone's everyone's better than me. So, yeah. Setting the bar low. <laughs> that's right yeah i know man i know i know but it's got to start it's got to be set somewhere one of the one of the things i i liked that you just said was using pana or street soccer as a tool so not as like the be all end all you don't sure. think you don't think that that street soccer should be taking over you know the soccer world in general but it should be a tool for development 
Of course. And I think there's two different platforms for it because obviously there's kids who, you know, who I experienced in Denmark who only play street soccer. You know, they found out about it. They fell in love with it. And that's their passion. Not so much the grass, but but street football is their passion. And you see these kids coming to competitions, traveling, you know, doing performances within clubs. Even at 12, 13 years old, they will go out and do performances and show these, you know, ground moves, different touches on the ball. And so it's for the clubs, it's a tool. It's not something that we're going to say, your kids have to play street soccer with me all the time. I'm going to get them to compete 1v1, 3v3. No, of course, we get it. Some kids are, are going to stay and play only street football. But for me, I, I think it's so important that they use that as part of their learning curriculum and take that, what they've learned, and apply it to the big field. Because if you teach one kid how to play Pana, he's going to teach his friend, he's going to teach his other friend, and pretty soon the whole team knows what it is. All of the kids are saying Pana, Pana, Pana. And they want every, every moment they have free, you see them get into these little 1v1 battles. And that's, that's for me, the most, the most important thing is letting them kind of explore and, and you know, really, really see where it can take them, but just to have fun with it. Because if a kid comes to a street soccer session with me and he doesn't want to come back, then he obviously didn't have enough fun. And it's not something where it's like, yeah, we have a bunch of rules. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to come. It's, it's, it's open to anybody. It's free. And it's, it's however much or however little you want to learn. Right. There's some kids that have come every single Friday. They, every time I'm doing a jam, they want to come out. They want to learn. And you see those kids developing faster and faster and faster. But I'm not pushing them to, to do anything. It's them recognizing, hey, this is fun. This is something different. But when I get to the weekend and I'm playing on the game, Johnny or Jimmy is doing much better with the ball. He's not losing the ball anymore because he's confident. He's confident on the ball. And to have that at seven, eight, nine years old, if you can get them playing street soccer early, when they're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, these kids have, you don't have to work on their, their touches anymore. They're getting thousands of touches just by playing street. And that's what's really missing for me. And I, I think it's so huge. So it's a tool. It's a tool, man. There's a lot of people that talk about like the 10,000 hour rule and, and how sure. more play, or players can get more touches and whatnot. And everybody kind of has like a different idea of how to get them there, whether that's um, you on know, the wall, on the yeah. wall or, or extending sure. practices instead of two days a week, five days a week or starting a, a, sure. a school in order for them to, to get more touches or playing street soccer or telling the, the kids to, you know, train on their own or whatever. But the 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 theme or the fact is, is that we lack in that area, and we need to figure out ways to make up the the lost the the lost time or the lost touches. Of course, of course, and you know, I'm not going to tell kids not to go on the wall and get their touches that way. I'm not going to tell kids not to go home and juggle, but I am going to encourage them to say, "Hey, if you're with your friend, get a ball out. You don't need goals. Just try. The goal is this kid's legs, and make him, you know, get your defender on skates and put the ball through his <laughs> legs. Get it back, and you've won. And it's a, you. You will see kids playing for hours and hours and hours. But the difference between getting touches on the wall, getting touches through juggling, doing your vitamins at the beginning of practice, and exposing kids to street soccer is number one. They learn to have a little bit of flavor. They learn about that street mentality where, hey, I got to win this game. You know what I mean? It's a competitive environment, but still kind of a laid back environment where they can feel comfortable to try new things, not afraid to, to make mistakes. But at the same time, if I mess up and lose the ball, I'm going to get scored on. My team's going to get off. You know what I mean? So having that like winner stays mentality where, yeah, I'm here to play. I'm here to, to not lose. But at the same time, 
I have these opportunities where I'm all the way up in the attacking third. Yeah, I'm going to dance on the ball a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to have a little fun. I'm going to talk a little trash with my defenders. And part of that is 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 the culture process. You know what I mean? To get kids that have that mentality, where like it was so funny in Denmark. You know, this little nine year old kid. I'm playing with him. He's dribbling in front of me and. He's looking into my eyes the whole time, moving the ball right in front of me, dancing, waiting for me to step it. As soon as I reach in, he looks at me again and just dribbles right past me, like <laughs> it completely embarrassed me. You know, and all of the other all of the other kids on his team were laughing and cracking up. And we don't have that here, you know what I mean? I mean, some people do. Like I, I remember, we used to go play street soccer with with Brian and Gary and Daniel and you know all of those cracks uh, in La Habra and. <laughs> Just these, you, you know, these guys talk insane amount of crap and it's, it's part of the mentality that we're lacking here. You know what I mean? And I think street soccer is the perfect way to, to develop that culture. And so, yeah, I a hundred percent want kids to get touches on the ball, touches on the wall, whatever they want to do, but you can't really teach game like environments when you're by yourself in the ball. So getting kids to play five V five, three V three, one V one for me is the number one tool for development. It's the number one because you're in those situations where you're in tight space. You're in those situations where we're playing to win. We're playing to mean something and you just can't duplicate that. You can't, you really can't. So for me, street soccer is the, the end to all means. You know what I mean? I, I, I I'm in love with it, man. You, you mentioned that you got into it like roughly three years ago and you, you didn't get into soccer three years ago. You and your brother, Danny, you guys have been into soccer for years and years and years. Yeah, we've been playing for a long time. And when so how I found street soccer and it was kind of wrapped up in two. So this guy Sufyan Bangkok, who you probably may not have heard of, maybe you have, but you've probably seen his videos. He one of his most famous videos, he gives a pana to Patrice Evra right in front of Pogba, you know, one on one situation with two small goals, makes Patrice Evra look silly. And this guy's, you know, viral. He's all over. He's hey, a pana player, but also it, a freestyler. Is that the guy that wore a three four three shirt in one of his videos? Yes, it is. It is. Yes, it okay. is. Yeah, that's him. And, so, you know, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. So he came to L.A. to do like a little Pana tournament. Um, and when I was there, I, I came down f- from San Francisco area. I heard he was coming to L.A. I was like, man, I got to meet this guy. I've seen his videos. So we went. We played. It was uh, embarrassing for all of us that went because he gave punas to every single person that was there, every single except for me actually, every single person that was there. And uh, you know, I got to hang out with him for for two three days. And this guy's amazing because not only is he one of the best punna players in the world, but he's also a freestyler. So where he's doing tricks with the ball, um, freestyle is its own different sport where it's like break dancing almost. You know, you have three minute rounds, thirty seconds to do your tricks, and then the next guy goes. Whoever had the best set wins, you know. And so Red Bull sponsors a, a Red Bull street style tournament. There's USA champs, European champions, world championships. So freestyle is like its own separate category from street soccer. And um, so I met Sufyan. He we jammed for a little bit. And for me, it was like, damn, I've been playing soccer for 15, 16, 17 years, and I feel like I'm a beginner right now. You know, seeing this guy move the ball how he did and juggle how he did, like. He, he put on some music, grabbed the ball, and was doing these crazy tricks for like 15 minutes without dropping the ball once. And I was just like, my mouth was just open. I could not believe what I was seeing in my eyes. So right after, from that moment on, I started training. I wanted to I wanted to go out and compete. I wanted to, to push the game to the next level, really find out, like find my way into the community. And so I started posting videos and started getting some recognition in the community. And last year, the Pond House guys invited me to, uh, to compete. 
and uh, yeah, we, we went with the crew from America, and, and we represented well, because in Europe, it's it's been going for like 10 years. Street soccer has been pretty big. I mean, still kind of underground. Obviously, when you're in Holland or you're in Belgium, football is the number one. You know, if you're if you're a street football player, you know, you're from the streets. It's, it's a little bit different, but they have these massive tournaments where everybody from around the world will, will come and compete 1v1 competitions 3v3 4v4 where it's upon a knockout you know if you if you get the ball through the guy's legs it's game over so when i started figuring out that hey street soccer is actually this this different sport i just wanted to to get in it you know cuz i felt like i've i'm an experienced soccer player i'm decent level i'm not the best but for once i felt like i was a beginner again in something and that for me was really inspiring and uh, yeah, I just started training, 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 and it's just kind of led me to meet all these famous guys and all these guys who have been really promoting the game for a long time. So I feel very fortunate to to be on the path that I'm at. But at the same time, like I feel like I'm on this mission to to expose people to the game, to show people who these guys are that have been pushing for ten years to make street soccer and uh, a big sport. And so yeah, it's just me kind of giving back, but. Now that I've been coaching for a couple years and obviously, you know, my brother is Danny and watching Brian coach him for all this time, like I'm trying to put the puzzle pieces together because I know street soccer is so important for development, so important for having that player mentality to be a complete player. You know what I mean? So for me, it's been fun to, to experiment with my kids and, and it really give them a good street soccer education, but also a good football education at the same time and watching how they can kind of combine those two things on the field. Like I've, I encourage my kids to throw nutmegs. Yeah. If we're up a goal, we're in the attacking third. Yeah. Go for it. Like that's, that's what it's about. I'm not going to be the kind of coach that says, Oh, you know, Hey, you, you, t- you did a nutmeg over here in the corner. You got to get off the field. And some coaches are like that. Like, they tell kids, do not be creative. Keep the ball moving. Keep the ball moving. Hey, if we're up a goal, if we're up two goals, man, embarrass your, embarrass those guys. Put them on skates. Put the ball through his legs. Laugh at him a little bit. You're going to kill his mentality, and you are going to boost your confidence at the same time. So, yeah, just some of my kids that I've worked with, man, it's incredible to see how they've developed. So I think I've, I've kind of figured out the formula for it and how to teach it quickly and how to get kids to say, oh, I want to go practice that at home. I want to keep doing this. And then you see them on Saturday, like Savage Beast, ridiculous moves. And it's like it was really it's really cool to see that whole process work. So ever since I found out about street football, I've just been, you know, completely locked in. And I'm trying to get myself better so that I can keep showing kids what it's like, keep promoting and keep representing the U.S., you know, because we were I was one of three guys this year to go uh, and play in the Pana House World Finals, and, and two of us made the top 32 in the world. So to be at that level, I mean, that was my goal. You know, it started out with 64. I wanted to be at least in the top 32, and, you know, we, we both made it. So Americans, very, very small street soccer. People don't even know really that streets like Pana 1v1 knockout. They don't even know that really exists. But to go out to Europe where the scene is already there, everybody knows everybody, and to go out and perform, we got a lot of respect from from all the players over there. So I'm trying to bring that back and, and keep pushing. You know, next year maybe top 16, top eight in the world, number one in the world is is a good goal for me. But the better I get, the more I can teach, and the more I can teach, the more kids will learn. And if we can get all the kids we know, you know, all the kids that are in the club level, getting a good street soccer education. It's going to do wonders for, for the, the end product, you know what I mean? So it's just one little piece in the whole wheel of, of development, but I think it's a really, really big one for me. So 
when a coach is wanting to start incorporating a street soccer or like a pun a program or something sure. like that into their existing infrastructure with their club or team where where would you suggest that they start you got to find somebody that knows you know you got to call me and say hey, hey, <laughs> hey nico suave what's up man we want to get some street football this, going on look at this plug <laughs> you know uh, massive plug massive plug but there, there's not really a lot of guys who have been in the community or really know how to teach that at the next level and have been like i've seen the best street soccer players in the world for me sufian bencock and shane dose from from holland if you see their videos you, you'll understand these guys any guy they come up against they're gonna beat their guy they're gonna give him a pana or they're gonna get by their defender and i've played with these guys 5v5 3v3s 1v1 and just their mentality to get by you and embarrass you is something that kids need to have they need to have so you really have to get somebody who knows what what it's like and has been exposed to that. So I'm I'm not saying like I'm the only one, but I've I've been I've been you know doing this for three years. I've gone to the the world finals. I've met all these players, and you know I feel like I can adequately teach. But if somebody is looking to to start implementing this a little by little, they don't you know all they really need to do is get kids on the street and say, hey, bring your street shoes today. We're gonna start by playing five v five and no rules. You know what I mean. Do what you want. Add some flavor. Don't just try and pass all the time. Add, add a little bit of dribbling. You know what I mean. Try and get by your defenders and create overloads in, in different parts of the field. Don't just be pass and move, pass and move. Yeah, it's good to have. Don't get me wrong. I love ball movement. I love when kids can knock the ball fast. But for me, like if, if we're just playing street soccer for an hour, I want to see kids try new things. I want to see them try and get past their defender. I want to see them try and throw nutmegs. So if if you're just a club and you want to figure out how we can implement this. Get your kids just to play. No rules. Step aside. Put the goals out. Give them a time limit, maybe two goals or, or seven minutes, and keep games rotating. Keep it rotating. And then find somebody who has you know proficient in street soccer who can come in and teach ground moves. So ground moves are when the ball is on the ground, different kinds of touches. Um, you can add different com- – like there's basic ground move combos that you can learn that – are instantly applied to the field like you know like the v combo where you're moving the ball behind you to the side back behind you to the side so if you come on me on the right i'm going to pull it back and go to the left but adding second level combinations where now that i've got the ball into space i'm going to go forward to make my defender move and then put the ball through his legs so when you teach kids how to add different combinations on the ball and they're moving the ball for like five ten seconds what you see is, like I said, the defender gets put on skates for a second. He's dancing around a little bit, and you have created that time and space for yourself. Instead of just touching the ball, getting rid of it, touching the ball, getting rid of it, encourage your kids to, to touch it, move it side to side, try and get past your defender. If you're going to lose the ball, you get rid of it. So just implementing that, you know, getting your kids on, on tennis courts, blacktop, basketball courts, whatever, is going to do wonders. But then if you can get somebody who's, you know, who can teach ground moves, who, who knows the game a little bit more, and you show these kids, hey, this is how you give somebody a pana. This is a different way to give somebody a pana. This is a ground move. This is an aka. Somebody that can come and, like, bring some energy to the kids where they go home and they say, hey, I want to learn that. I want to I do that trick. Whatever he did was amazing. I want to learn how to do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just small steps to, to get to the end product. But... Nico Suave is available anytime, I'm telling you. 
<laughs> it's funny. It, you're you're definitely passionate about it. You could you could tell just uh, the people aren't gonna be able to see the video of, of us talking, but like we're yeah. moving your head around and you're smiling. No, for sure, man, for sure. One of the things you mentioned was uh, was like flavor, and, and one of the one of the things I remember about our last three four three camp in January or wait December December was your brother actually stopped one of the groups and and told them is like, hey, guys like stop being robots like it was it was in Arundo and the guys were just you know just kind of just going through the motion just making their two touch passes and he's hey add some flavor to it he stopped everybody and Danny said add flavor to what you're doing yeah. and then after that like there was one kid that got roasted in in one of the groups because <laughs> the, the the kids on the outside just like let him have it and it Good. was awesome to see that and For and, sure. and also it kind of yeah, the kid got roasted, but then once it was once he got out and and he was in possession with the other three or four, I forget which which exercise we we're actually doing. He was inspired to do that to the kid that was in the middle. Of course, now. so it was like this course. big competition, and and that was badass. And it's so funny to hear you say that, and in the in the tone too, you and your brother sound exactly alike, man. Yeah, <laughs> so. I yeah, I'm kind of like a uh, copy version. I mean, I've you know, as coaches, we kind of learn from the people that we were exposed to, and. I've been lucky to, to be around Brian, to be around Daniel and all these great coaches. So I kind of take that mentality and that intensity uh, into street soccer. And, and yeah, it's it's funny because when I, when I was in Denmark, like I was telling you, these kids, absolute flavor. Like even when they pass the ball, it's no look passes. Mm-hmm. But when they're when they're when they're stepping up to you, they're looking at you in the eyes and moving the ball. And yeah, it, it, like you want to do that too. You want to be able to say, "Hey, man, I got a little bit of flavor." But the, when the game is over, if somebody gives you a nutmeg or they make you look silly, everybody lasts for a second. But you got to go up and give respect to that guy. Like when those little kids made me look silly, I went up and I was like, "Dude, that was sick!" Like, like that was. <laughs> I give you respect for that because that was cool. And so yeah, it's part. That's part of it, you know, is is getting kids to want to roast their want to roast whoever they're going against but to earn that respect on the court and street soccer is the perfect way to earn respect like if you get by me in this space as a defender as that's on me you know what i mean because mm-hmm. when you're playing in a tight tennis court it's you're in those one-on-one situations all the time and you got to have a little bit of pride in your attacking a little bit of pride in your defending and if you're getting by your defender and you're doing it with style shoot man the defender's got to give you some respect so i i think that's a big part of it too that's going to transfer to the big field because when you get 11 kids that all have flavor that all have confidence you see them visibly more confident than the other team and when they beat their defenders like i'll give you an example of my high school kids uh we're winning 2-0 one of my one of my best outside forwards he has the ball down the line he throws a nutmeg he turns around and gives the guy another nutmeg, right? <laughs> and everybody on my bench got up and, and you know, we're, we're roasting this kid. But after the game, that kid came up to him and he was like, dude, you killed me. You killed me on the sideline, but that was sick. And that's what it's about for me. It's like, yeah, you, can, you can't just be like, I'm the best here. I'm going to give you punish. You got to earn your respect, and you, but you also have to give respect too. And that's a big component of street soccer. And it's the first thing we teach kids when we're playing 1v1. If you step into the octagon, the first rule, you have to give respect. We come and slap hands. The second rule, after the game, we got to give respect again. Win or lose, it's all about you know growing the culture and, and, and teaching kids what it means to respect your opponent. Because we see a lot of kids, you know, I'm working at the high school age, see a lot of kids that don't understand that there's 11 kids on the other team that are here for the same reason you know they're they're not trying to break legs we're not trying to kill each other we're all here to win but when that respect element is gone and you get players that are arrogant and cocky it doesn't work it doesn't work so 
part of that street mentality is I'm going to win. I'm going to look good doing it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to respect my opponent too. And those three components are, are huge in street soccer. And it's something that we can teach that will transfer over to the big field. And I think it's really important too. And I love roasting defenders. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> I put my brother on skates. He probably doesn't want everyone hearing that, but I will put him on skates now. Hey, it's his fault, man. He's had so many opportunities <laughs> to come on the podcast. I've asked him a bunch of times, like, hey, come on the podcast. Uh, You're the first Danny, one. Danny, I want to hear you on the next podcast, my man. See? You got to step your game up. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was funny because when we were down here in December – it was like the morning the morning of or morning before we were going to camp or something like that we all met yeah, in the park yeah. and we brought we brought some of the guys with us to go play that's right i was the there tennis courts. I was yeah there. yeah that's and, right. and i remember i was playing with uli and this kid yeah he was trying to pawn me and he, he the kid has flavor and that's why he's one of the best in the in in the game right now because he plays with flavor he plays with he's smiling when he has the ball at his feet and we don't have enough kids that have that in them, but that's because Brian and Daniel have been growing that in him and teaching him about that culture. And I've seen it because I've played street soccer with Brian. I've played with Daniel. I've played with Gary. played with Choco and Prieto. And these guys, yeah, they have it in them. They have that culture, and they're doing such a good job of passing it on to the next generation. So we need more people like that. And I think street soccer is a really good avenue to teach that and when you get to your your grass sessions, it can carry over to that. That mentality doesn't leave just because we're playing actual football now. It's the same mentality. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to look good while I'm doing it. But I'm I'm also going to respect everyone that's out here. I'm telling you, it's important. It's important. And Brian has done a very good job of instilling that in his kids. I think so. It's been yeah, it's been awesome watching you guys kill it three four three. Where where can people find out more about I guess street soccer in general, but more specific Pana. So you type in YouTube, type in Pana. For me, the number one place, if you're trying to- How do you spell to, it? How do you spell Pana? I don't even know. P, P-A-N-N-A. P-A-N-N-A. So if you are trying, if you're new, you don't even know about street football, you don't even know about, about Pana culture, go look, for, go look at Pana House, P-A-N-N-A House. It's the number one street soccer organization right now. They have like hundreds of kids in their academy. Some of the kids stay and play only street football, but some of their kids have gone and played Man City Academy, Barca Academy, La Masia. These, but they started playing street soccer. One of the most notable players, actually, who used to come out and jam with the Pana House guys, Emre Moi, who you know he plays for Dortmund. He his roots are through Pana House. Like they were, they were good friends. They used to play street football all the time, and you see it in his play. He's one of the most creative players in the world. I mean, in in my eyes right now, but. It's because he had street football at his roots, and so if you're trying to if you're trying to learn about it, check out Pana Houses. They have a YouTube channel. They have tutorials. They you know up to date videos, one v one battles, three v three games. So that's a really good uh, piece of education. But just start looking at some of the players. Go on YouTube, type in Pana, see what comes up. There's all these crazy compilations like Jane Doe's from the Netherlands. Basically, his for the past 10 years, he's made a living of traveling the world and putting on these demos where he says, all right, everybody here, come play me one-on-one. I give you Pana. We keep it going. And he's like this huge personality in the game where, I mean, when I was in Denmark last year, he came uh, to the courts. We're just playing 5v5 pickup. It's like one in the morning. He shows up. Hey, everybody, let's go. Who's I come on the field next. I make Panas for all of you. I score all the goals. And he literally did exactly what he said. He stepped on the court. He came. He grabbed the ball, dribbled three players, scored goals. Next time he gets the ball, dribbled three players, give somebody a punt, and scored a goal. Like to have that mentality of I'm the best on this court. I'm gonna make you look silly. 
it's it's un, unreal like and to be around that kind of person it really rubs off on you so yeah check out the youtube channels uh, pana house jane dose sufran bencock edward van Hils. these are all like legends of the game that have been doing this for for 10 years plus you still there yeah, sorry, sorry, somebody was calling me. No but yeah, these uh, just just watch a little bit. You you can learn so much by by seeing how these guys move on the ball. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of information out there to be had. In the U.S., it's kind of sad because street soccer, street football, it's it's really small. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Don't get me wrong. People go play pickup all the time, but we don't really have those big Pana tournaments where we're getting tons of players to come and and really embracing the culture. So. Um, that's why I'm trying to do it the best I can. And, and, you know, doing podcasts like this are important to, to grow the game of street football. And so that kids have a different avenue. Yeah. If they want to play football, sure. They can play football. If they, if they don't want to play at a high level and they just want to play street. Yeah. They can come play street. But if we don't have a system like that in place, we're not going to be able to, to offer that to kids. Mm-hmm. So for me, getting, getting people to understand what the culture is, what this sport is all about is, is an important step for me in, in the process. So, Doing things like this is amazing, and I appreciate you putting me on the podcast, man. It's really cool. No problem. Long time in the making. Where where can people find you as well? Are you, are you on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere? So yeah, Instagram is my number one social media. Uh, Nico Suave fifteen. Don't be afraid to follow me. Uh, I don't really use the Twitty Bird account. I don't <laughs> really. I just I like the I like Instagram. Uh, my YouTube channel is pretty lacking, so. Just yeah, follow me on Instagram, and um, you know I got some some videos, some ground moves videos, some play like one v one action from tournaments. Um, I try and if there's any events, I try and make sure that we're promoting. And and you know if if anyone has questions or they they want me to come and train their kids, like anything you know anything street football related, yeah, feel free to hit me up, and you know I'm free to answer any questions. But I just really want to make sure that that we take street football seriously as one as a different avenue for people to play if that's what they want, but two, as a tool for development. And I keep saying it because it's so, so important as, as part of their kid, part of kids development. So yeah, it's Nico Suave 15. Hit me up on Instagram. Nico Suave. Suave. I can't even say it. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. <laughs> all, all the Latin guys you hang out with and you still don't have that Spanish oh, accent. Dude, Come on, I'm, I'm terrible, man. I'm terrible. It's so funny. Cause I, I, I've been refing men's league in Santa Maria where where I grew up for yeah. 10 years since I was 18 I've been refing and those guys all they do is yell at me in Spanish of course and I and I, and I know I know exactly what they're saying I, <laughs> I, I I can understand Spanish but I I don't even try to speak it man my it's, it's terrible it's terrible I, man, I, I know how I know the struggle, know the struggle. <laughs> we're in California of course all right, man. Uh, we got stuff to do. We got our we got our players come launching tonight. Actually, so perfect. Hey, go. good luck with that. I'm I'm sure it's going to be great, and it's cool to see people just just getting kids to play pickup. It's a it's a huge part of uh, the process, and the the more than and there's no there's you know no surprise that three four three is the ones that are launching it. So um yeah, yeah I'm happy to to watch you guys. And uh, any way I can support you, you let me know. Yeah, whenever you're back down here visiting the fam, we'll we'll get you to come come out. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Hey, you, you come to the summit too. Yeah, it's in Orange County. I heard no. Yeah, it's at Fullerton. All right, Fullerton, my my stomping grounds. Yeah, very good, nice. Dude. All right, cool. man. We'll we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Okay, John. All right, we'll talk to you later. Thank All right, you. Later. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Three Four Three Podcast. 
And just a reminder, if you want to find more episodes of this podcast, you can head over to 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching.com. And while you're there, you can also find links to all of our articles. You can find links to our live in-person experiences, including our Players Club. And you can also find links to our free and our premium coaching courses. So head over to 343coaching.com. That's number three, number four, number three, coaching.com. And you can find everything that you need. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next time.